0: We'd first like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land on which this podcast is being produced. We respectfully acknowledge the unceded territory of the Wurundjeri people and pay our respects to the Elders past, present and emerging of the Kulin Nation.
1: And welcome to the first episode of season four of Undercover. I'm the producer of this episode, Amelia Lopez,
0: and I'm Eliza Freeman, and I'll be presenting this episode with Amelia.
1: Today, we're going to be listening to stories about popular Facebook group Fairy Floss, the growing TikTok trend called BookTok, and the introduction of digital identification documents and lack thereof in Victoria.
0: We'll also hear about the growing concern for AFL concussions. But before we get to all that, we'll listen to my story. Today, we'll be exploring one of Melbourne's most beloved cafes, Brunetti. Next year will mark the 50th year since the Brunetti business was first opened, making it one of the oldest cafes in Melbourne. I have skinny flat white every day. He's got cappuccino. He's getting short black. Short black. black. short black. No, no, no. He's <laughs> having short black No. Day. <laughs> Don't go to bed. Don't go to bed, you just heard from some of the local Brunetti regulars and old friends Christoph, Nicolas and Spiros sharing a joke over a drink of coffee, something they come to do here most days. As a teenager visiting Melbourne, I remember driving past Brunetti on a bus in December. The cafe was glowing with Christmas lights and bustling with energy at 10pm on a Thursday night. It was unlike anything I'd seen before. The cafes I was used to were only open until 3pm and so the sight of a busy cafe after dark was a huge novelty for me. I pressed the button and got off at the next stop. I was completely captivated by the cafe and I'm sure many others have had the same experience. So I went down to the cafe to find out why it has continually strived for almost 50 years and why it is so good at drawing people in. For a bit of background, Piero Brunetti opened the original store in 1974 and with its opening, the cafe quickly became a local favourite. With its high ceilings, marble floors and enough chairs to seat a couple hundred customers, authentic Italian pastries, cakes and coffee, the Brunetti family had successfully brought a slice of Italy to Melbourne then in 1991 the Angelis family bought the business and from there the expansion grew even greater. Later when the father Giorgio passed his sons Fabio and Yuri took over. These two brothers still own and run the stores today. I talked to Spiros in the middle of a busy service day. He's one of Brunetti's many loyal customers who is apparently a regular at dealing with the media requests around Ligon Street.
1: They come along and I see them, I like to
0: talk to them. For Spiros, the cafe is not only a place to spend his time, but a sense of community for him and his friends. i some friends, because I live 200 yards away from here, to pass my time. Here, this place has been about 10 years. I moved here about 1969. I walk through, I go to the supermarket, I see someone, I walk
2: back again, I come back again, between 10 and 20 times a day.
0: However, Spiros did not agree with my view of the cafe as being busy with people all the time. It's not always busy. I
2: think you, you put your own word in, in your mouth. big shop like this and the supermarket, you've got to be busy, otherwise they go bankrupt. I think they go well to be here, but I haven't taken the titans.
0: The Brunetti family is still involved in the day-to-day running of the cafes, but in 2021, the brothers decided to go separate ways. The Brunetti chain is now two separate companies, Brunetti Classico and Brunetti Oro. I spoke to Calvin, who is originally from Malaysia and is now the supervisor and venue manager at Brunetti on Ligon Street. Calvin said that the two brothers had differences in how they wanted to run the cafes. Fabio, owning Brunetti Classico, wants to continue with tradition to offer the products people know and love, while the younger brother, Yuri, was more focused on creating a business that is adaptable to the modern customer and climate.
3: So before this, so you have noticed that like Brunetti has a few other stores, like the one in the Street that Myers. We used to be one whole family, like as the brothers, there's a few of them. And then recently, I think one or two years ago, they decided to move separately, different visions of how to do things.
0: What appears to remain the same is the interior, which Calvin said helps draw people in.
3: One of the brothers, which is Joe, is the architect who designed this whole place. So this whole place is very really like a team area. When you come in, you get that feel. People like the bus of it. Yeah, so I think it gives you that new experience every time you come in, there's more stuff
0: biggest change the Carlton location has seen in recent years is the staff, who have become more diverse, attracting local and interstate customers, which has apparently deterred some of the Italians away, but has grown its interstate and international followings.
3: Overall, it kind of has changed a little bit. You might see less Italians coming through for some reason. Maybe because of the staff mix, we used to have more Italians, but now it's a bit more diverse.
0: I also spoke to the chef, Daniel, who is from Sicily and has been in Melbourne for five years. Daniel told me he thinks the cafe thrives not only because of the atmosphere and sweets, but the freshness of the ingredients used for the pizzas, pastas and the other Italian cuisine. We
4: source all the best ingredients to make our pizza, fresh pasta, like uh, cakes and stuff people want to experience the italian touch the italian culture it's like the home of the italians here in He
0: he's the man who spends all his money here no no no, no. don't worry about him he's sarcastic he's don't worry all his money here. don't worry about sarcastic don't worry about sarcastic things
1: For many years, the Fairy Floss Facebook group has been considered one of the best alternative solutions to Melbourne's unstable rental market. Back in 2017, the group was known for its inclusive nature and was seen as a haven where members of vulnerable communities could safely find stable accommodation and interact with like-minded individuals. However, since the acquisition of Fairy Floss by rental intermediary app Snug, what was once an essential space for vulnerable minority groups has become indistinguishable from the Airbnb types it was meant to be an escape from. Here's Felix with more.
5: For many years, the Fairy Floss Real Estate Facebook Group has been considered one of the best alternatives to Melbourne's unstable rental market. Back in 2017, the group was known for its inclusive nature and was seen as a haven where members of vulnerable communities could safely find stable accommodation and interact with like-minded individuals. However, since the acquisition of Fairy Floss by rental intermediary app Snug, What was once an essential space for vulnerable minority groups has become indistinguishable from the Airbnb types it was meant to be an escape from. In 2011, PhD student Fabian Kong created the Fairy Floss Real Estate Facebook group to help connect his friends to available property listings in the Melbourne area. Posts in the group would often be short and to the point, featuring no details other than the property's location and rent calculations. Despite selling the group to Snug.com in 2017, Kong remained an admin until 2018. Over this period, Kong made multiple posts denouncing xenophobia in the group and established Fairy as a staunchly LGBTQ friendly space. As the group's membership base grew larger, the demand for properties rose and a new dynamic began to take shape. Members had to find new ways to make their posts stand out amongst the crowd and property listers could afford to be more specific in defining their preferences for potential housemates. By 2017, the group had amassed a membership base of 70,000 people. Over this time, the group began cultivating a reputation for long-winded property listings that often detailed more about the residents themselves. Property listings, usually containing phrases along the lines of queer-friendly, planned-friendly and anti-fascist, would often read more like online dating profiles, as the group ethos became synonymous with pro-LGBTQI sentiments. Fairy Floss Real Estate's popularity skyrocketed in the years since the Snug Takeover, with the group reaching over 350,000 members earlier this year. Although hyper-personalised profiles are still somewhat prevalent, the group has become cluttered with hundreds of posts per day, often from opportunistic landlords and those looking for a quick buck by subletting their home while on vacation. When 23-year-old Adam Fisher moved to Melbourne in 2020, he'd been using the Fairy Floss group from his hometown of Tasmania to find a place.
6: Back in 2020, when I was still living in Tasmania and I was about to move to Melbourne for the first time, the... The vibe of Fairy Floss was very inclusive, and it was more just people looking out for other people. And
5: Adam preferred using the Fairy Floss group to find short-term housing due to its more casual application process.
6: I do prefer the down-to-earth approach of Fairy Floss. While I do agree, it's similar in that the person who's listing the house can decide on a whim whether they like you. At the end of the day, it's a person looking out for themselves, looking out for their housemates, rather than a person more so concerned with their profits.
5: Adam is on the autism spectrum. He works as a swim coach in Eltona, and he loves coffee and family go. He's a highly outgoing person and has never had trouble making friends. After returning to Tasmania in 2021, Adam moved back to Melbourne in January of this year and has been disappointed with the state of Fairy Floss real estate today.
6: I am hoping there is another group on the rise like Fairy Floss, because I do think that initial idea of Fairy Floss was fantastic. It was just kind of a safe space for demographics that feel they might not be getting a, a fair chance in the rental market. And it was... Obviously created by people looking out for these kind of people, these you know queer people, these neurodivergent people like myself. But now that Fairy Floss has kind of lost that essence, I, I hope that another fairy Fairy Flossish platform rises up out of the dark.
5: Unfortunately for Adam, another one has, and it's possibly using Fairy Floss as its launching point. Snug is designed to be an intermediary app where renters, owners, and property managers alike can interact in the same space, intending for an easier rental process. The Snug app features the Snug Match Score, which compiles details from rental applications to evaluate an applicant's compatibility with a property. The Snug Match Score feature is, in essence, a reformatting of FairyFloss' owner-first preferential system. The parent company of Snug, Homely.com, is currently Australia's third largest rental lookup website. Although there is no clear evidence that Snug uses data gathered from the profiles of those who post in FairyFloss to aid in the Match Score system, the idea of an app with that close of proximity to some of Australia's biggest rental agencies may be enough to set off alarm bells for some. Whether the Fairy Floss Real Estate's transformation from a haven for minority groups to a glorified landlord forum was caused by Snug, the influx of desperate Melburnians flocking to the group ruined what was once a beacon of hope for vulnerable communities in the throes of a seemingly never-ending rental crisis.
0: As TikTok continues to grow in popularity internationally, trends such as BookTok are having positive impacts on the local book communities. Here's Amy with more information on this boom in the book lover's world. She
2: made herself look to face down that place of pain and despair. It would always leave a mark, a stain on her, but she would not let it define her. Hers was not a story of darkness. This would not be the story. She would fold it into herself this place, this fear, but it would not be the whole story. It would not be her story. Now that was powerful. No wonder BookTok is obsessed with author Sarah J Mass and her Throne of Glass series. Now you're probably wondering if you're not on TikTok, what is BookTok? BookTok is a community of TikTok users who post and share content related to anything about books and reading including reviews and reading suggestions. BookTok has grown so much in popularity that it even got a special mention at TikTok CEO Shozy Chu's hearing with Congress.
3: BookTok is a trend that happened on our platform. It's to encourage people to read. And globally, it has 115 billion views, and it's fantastic.
2: Despite BookTok being a huge international trend online, it has brought together local community groups across Melbourne. One group in particular is the Melbourne Bookish Friends group on Facebook that grew in popularity when a video of their book swap meetup went viral on TikTok. I met up with group members Keely Shepherd and Mara Kastenson at the Dimmicks on Collins Street, a go-to location for all Melbourne book lovers. For Keely, reading isn't just a form of escapism but also a way for her to connect with other readers. What do you enjoy so much about reading?
7: It's just a form of escape for me. So like having such um, a busy work life and like personal life, reading is just like my little like downtime and escape. And it's also like a community. So like when I do catch up with friends who are in like the book community, we have something to talk about and we're all really passionate about it. And it's just a good way to pass the time. When shopping,
2: Mara likes to look for books with pretty covers. So what type of books do you like to look for when you're shopping? Yeah, so usually I start in the romance section and move on to like the fantasy section because that's mainly where I shop. <laughs> mainly I look for pretty covers, which like I know it doesn't necessarily mean that it's a good book, but I like to collect books and I like to have them look pretty on my shelf. So if there is an extraordinary pretty cover, like, I'll grab it first. I also spoke with Anna Salome, who hasn't had the chance to attend a meetup, but is hoping to go to one in the future. Anna is a big fan of the romance genre, and is an occasional BookTok user. However, she has had some trouble finding popular BookTok books in Australia.
8: Being in Australia, finding books is sometimes a bit difficult. <laughs> yeah, definitely. You probably experienced this. But, like... I, I've got a book next to me that I found on TikTok actually. Icebreaker by Hannah Grace. I was looking for this book for quite a while, but the only way I could, because I saw people everywhere around the world recommend it, and the only way you could get it in Australia was on Amazon. I didn't want to pay, it was like $27, I think, and I didn't want to pay that much for a book. And then my local Dimmicks got it, and I was very excited because then I could read what everyone else was reading.
2: Limitations for Australians aside, BookTok has been a great way to support readers. BookTok encouraged Mara to pick up reading again after having a break. So do you think that BookTok has like a big influence on the type of books that you look for and are interested in reading? Yeah, definitely. I I took a big gap of reading during COVID and BookTok kind of got me back into it. So I started seeing like very popular BookTok books and then started reading those as well. Keely tends to use TikTok every day using social media to make new friends.
7: No, I'm pretty much on it every day. It's really bad. (laughs) (laughs) But I love BookTok. Like, I wouldn't have found the friends that I have without it.
2: BookTok has been able to create online and offline communities where like-minded people can come together and connect through their interests. After moving to Melbourne only a couple of months ago, Keely relied on online book groups to meet new people.
7: People are consistently moving around as well. So like I only moved down here a few months ago. So not having a social group or friends down here. So I relied on the Discord and TikTok and Facebook groups to make friends. So it's been great.
2: For Mara, connecting with readers online is something new for her.
7: Yeah, it's, it's all more been
2: recent for me. Like I've always been into books and I've always kind of like looked at what other people were saying online, but it's more new for me that I actually like started engaging with people close to me. And yeah, I think that's really great. Anna believes that BookTok has had a positive impact on creating communities of readers online and offline.
8: I think social media has definitely had an impact on connecting people. Because people that would otherwise not have anyone to talk about their interests with, it connects people from all around the world. And it's an easy, it's an easy way for people to connect. And it's, it's quite accessible these days because a lot of people have a phone or have internet access.
2: Whilst the idea of joining online groups and meeting new people might be daunting for some, trends such as BookTok has provided the chance to make connections with others you might not otherwise meet in your daily life.
0: A petition calling for Victoria to introduce digital IDs, such as a driver's license, has gained some traction. Titled, Bring Digital Driver's License to Victoria. The petition has gathered comments, including, we shouldn't be using plastic when there is a digital solution. And, time to drag yourself into the 21st century roads." Mitch, the creator of the petition, called on the Premier and Deputy Premier, of Victoria Daniel Andrews and Jacinta Allen to do something about this, as well as the CEO of Vic Rhodes, Michael Maloof. Here's Rochelle Putnikovic with the story.
9: Since September 2017, South Australia has had digital driver licences and in October 2019, New South Wales followed suit. Confirmed by the Queensland Government, now they're on their way. They published on their website the Digital Licence App will be available to all Queenslanders in 2023. How lucky are they?
4: We created the Digital Licence App for Queenslanders of all ages to be able to access their info securely and privately when it matters most. Whether it's registration, identification or recreation, keep life moving with the Digital Licence App.
9: IDs Queensland are catering to include a driver licence, photo identification card, and recreational marine license, adding to the convenience of Queenslanders. In the near future, it is expected additional features will be added to the app. The Australian Government's Digital Identity System website describes digital identity in three simple words, safe, secure, convenient. And as encouraged by the Queensland Government, the way we use a driver license has changed from when they were first introduced in 1910. I'll say it again, 1910 and malcolm said it himself on the petition we are now in the 21st century so where does victoria stand funnily enough the service victoria website has a web page titled digital driver license however a page not found error is the only verification we're given on the 20th of november 2022 the victorian labor party published a statement pledging to make everyday life easier for victorian families and businesses if they were successful at the state election, that's a strong if, because as we are now aware, they were unsuccessful. We might as well reflect on their claims, though. Proposing the launch of a new Connect Vic app and portal, Connect Vic will focus on offering simple digital services direct to Victorians and small businesses, including digital driver's licences and digital Myki. Unfortunately, in comparison. There has been limited progress with the same digitalisation promises by the Victorian Labor Party. MyKey, your ticket for trains, trams and buses in Melbourne and many parts of regional Victoria. Previously, our only option to top up our MyKey balance was to visit a local outlet or station. Now, Victorians can download the latest version of the Public Transport Victoria app on their iPhone or Android to top up. Great for us! And as well as this feature, a Mobile Mikey app exists. However, here comes the limited term I used earlier Mobile Mikey is only available for Android users. Sorry, iPhone users. They are able to hold a digital Mikey on the Google Wallet app. How unfortunate for the iPhone users who buy yet another Mikey card when forgetting theirs after leaving the house. I'm on my 11th one now. Focusing on another means of digitalisation, VicRoads have delivered a My Learners app. The My Learners app lets you track and log your driving hours, no matter where you are. However, it'll be a shame when these learner drivers obtain their probationary licence on a physical card. Dimitri is one of many irritated Victorian drivers, obtaining his probationary licence earlier this year.
5: I have all my cars on my phone and uh, all my banking is online so I have a digital debit card. Pretty much the only reason I bring my wallet out now is for my licence and it's getting pretty annoying.
9: Apps including Stocard are introduced and consistently improved to ensure our experience is convenient and at ease.
6: I found this app recently
4: and it's really cool. It's super easy to use and my purse is now
9: Clutter free. It's easy to find what I need. Um, So the
6: app is called StowCard.
9: More than 49 million active consumers, alongside Neren, love StowCard, including myself. It is a mobile wallet available for iPhone and Android users. Take notes, Mikey, to gather loyalty cards in one place. Quoted by StowCard, from the biggest supermarket to your local flower shop, you can add the card to StowCard. How easy is that? We are a consistently growing society, and I'll say it again in the 21st century. We should not be this behind our neighbouring states. So, I ask the Victorian Labour Party and Vic Rhodes not only when we will see the digitalisation of Victorian IDs, but will we see it at all?
0: One of the biggest dilemmas which the AFL has found itself in in recent months is the issue of concussion and the influx of past players coming forwards with life-altering symptoms after a career in a sport which demands so much brutal physicality. Patrick Doyle with more.
9: A class-action lawsuit against the AFL. Tonight, players suing for life-altering concussions.
3: Playing well. well suddenly looks oh. impressive. Oh! Oh! Lewis has not moved.
4: It's something the AFL and media have struggled to fully get a grasp of, and in more recent years, the issue of concussion has dominated the sporting headlines.
3: He Robinson, right there with him, and he keeps going. Oh, wow. He has flattened Steph and Martin. They play on the Brisbane line. The race combined
9: And it's been a great afternoon so far here at the Stadium. Robbie's got it. He's got and dump slam tackle. First by Nyhouse, and Charlie's not
3: happy
9: he's hurt, he hasn't moved it's first, it's first it's it's cuttled, it's and that's a free kick and maybe a report
4: it's not only the current players who are suffering the consequences of concussions but the players of yesteryear are now coming out of the dark and speaking about the life-changing impacts which these consecutive concussions and head knocks has caused and how much it has altered their life worked him hard and oh. Oh. Simpson has been More than 60 former AFL players have launched an injury lawsuit which is believed could cost the league billions of dollars. Geelong great Gary Ablett senior is the most recent of players to sue the AFL for the alleged brain damage which has been deteriorating his post-playing career. Neuroscientist and concussion expert Dr Alan Pearce has been advocating for change in how concussions are made aware to players and the public and
3: also on ways to reduce its occurrence. Australia, in particular uh, with AFL, was the deaths of uh, Danny Frawley and Shane Tuck. With a lone piper playing Danny Boy and his wife Anita and three daughters right behind him, Spud Frawley has been farewelled with a final lap of Moorabbin. One of football's most famous
5: families with former Richmond
3: midfielder Shane Tuck, son of Hawthorne great Michael Tuck, found dead this morning. And that really changed the the whole um, picture around this because I think it finally hit people that this issue is not something that can be palmed off as just a head knock. These deaths and
4: the countless other players coming forward with brain troubles has confirmed the degenerative brain disease chronic traumatic encephalopathy, commonly referred to as CTE, is caused by repeated blows to the head. Many people haven't even heard what CTE is or fully understand the connection it has
3: with concussion. CTE is a neurodegenerative disease. It's partly related to concussion, but it's actually more related to repetitive head trauma. So while concussion isn't good and has some potential effects long term, um, CTE is not necessarily based on concussion, but rather the collisions, the impacts to the head, the tackles, the hits to the ground, the constant sort of acceleration, deceleration of brain tissue. So It's a disease of exposure and and how we know it's not only about concussion is that we have seen it in soccer players who've never been concussed but they
4: head the ball pierce is also passionate to make people aware that this isn't just an issue at the elite level but it's an issue for anyone who plays contact sport at any level cte has been found in australia as young as 21 years old and in america as young as 17. the extreme sensitivity of a younger growing brain certainly makes it more susceptible to movement and trauma. And it is vitally important that we look after our children's heads at all costs. So how do we fix the growing concerns with concussion in sport around our great nation? Dr. Alan Pierce suggests touch football, touch rugby, tackle free sports up to the age of 14 years old. And many people argue that he's trying to kill the sporting nature we have here in this country. However, he argues he's trying to save it, as the concerns are growing so large that many families are steering their kids away from competitive
3: contact sport. We are seeing parents take their kids out of these sports now and, and move them into other sports that, because of the concern. So if something's not done, then there will be a, an absolute deficit of, of juniors coming through um, in the long term. So we've got, to, we've got to do something about it. When it
4: comes to protecting our children, the first thing we think about is a helmet. Especially in contact sports, the go-to is to buy a helmet, whack it on your child's head and he'll be safe to go. However, Dr. Alan Pierce outlines that these helmets are
3: providing a false sense of security. Helmets is one of the biggest myths around concussion. Helmets have no effect on protecting the brain from concussion. And the reason for that is because the helmet can protect the skull from fractures and lacerations the brain still moves and, and we have no helmet hard shell or soft shell um, that can reduce the amount of movement in the brain.
4: Concussion will continually be an ongoing issue in all contact sports until we have the right rule modifications and player attitudes change towards a concussion we're only going to see more and more players come forward with brain damaged issues
1: post playing career. And that is a wrap on the inaugural episode of Season 4. We hope all of our listeners enjoyed these stories. We'd like to thank our reporters of this episode, Patrick Doyle, Eliza Freeman, Rochelle Putnikovic, Felix Porsches and Amy Stokes.
0: We'd also like to thank the producer, Emilian Lopez and the executive producers of this episode, Tito Ambio and Lisa DeVizzi. Thank you all once again. And now we look forward to Episode 2 to hear more incredible stories.